12. Today is September the 8th. Which one is that? Only 107 days until Christmas. That's right. And that means this. Only 107 days until you will find yourself seated on the living room floor trying to assemble those things that say, Come assembly with all of And for some of us, all I can do is that. I'll send the second amendment just a minute, okay? Guys, among guys, who here uh, likes to read the directions before you assemble something? Okay. We've got engineers in the room for crying out loud. Yes. All right, okay, now, all right. And, and who among the guys is honest? Yeah. All right. Now, sometimes, sometimes I read the directions, but you know, there's all kinds of things like that. Yeah, yeah, I know this. I got this. Come on. You know, when I, when I, uh, do, you know, put something together without the directions, you know, I consider it a victory when it's finished, and I hardly have any parts left over. You know, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, but, but you know, there's, there's sometimes, you know, over the time, really, I've, I've learned to really um, be able to do um, cultural construction projects and things like that really well. Uh, but uh, maybe it's because of stories I've told here in sermons or whatever. But we had somebody over at the house one time, and uh, they were amazed that after hearing stories about all these uh, weird things that went wrong for me, that um, I was able to do the things that I did around the house. I built the gap and all the fireworks and you know, various other things, running jobs and various things that I did at the house. But, uh, but it's not always that way. You know, I've learned, though, over time that it's better to do it right the first time and to have my wife come along and say, why in the world did you do it that way? You know, or hey, you missed a spot, something like that. And I want to do it, I want to do it right, and I want to do it right this time. But there was one time when I was um, working on storing a, one of these ice stairways, you know, the things that you pull in the hand, it comes down, and it's going up in the attic, it's right. So anyway, I, 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 I was approaching it with the I don't need my thinking, thinking direction kind of uh, philosophy. And they uh, built the frame there for the opening and installed this thing and I spent all the screws into it and then I was like, I had record time and this thing was fine. It was good. It was good. And then finally the thing was installed and I thought, oh, I'm not going to use it. That was a normal trip. I get to cry a lot. And even in the phone, I took the one thing. I installed it upside down. You know, so that it folded up and put it down. I mean, you know, it helped. To follow the directions because if you do that, you don't have to do it over again. And here's the thing is that life is some assembly required. And it really helps. It really helps when you follow the directions in life. You can maybe avoid some of the mistakes that we keep making over and over again if you just follow the directions. If you, if you, somebody like this, that through life, which is some assembly required, but you're kind of directing towards, you might hear some of these kinds of phrases uh, from yourself. And, and you hear things like this. Why don't I ever get ahead? Or why can't I find a decent relationship? Or why aren't there any good guys slash women out there? Why, why does it seem like all jobs are just punching the clock? Why is life filled with good? Especially in the world. Why can't life just slow down? No matter what job you have, what relationship you have, what situation in life that you have, 
the same problems can see the following. Now, you put this one over here, you go and the common denominator in all of these things is one thing. You. Change you and change the future. It's simple as that. <laughs> That's not really a simple as I mean, change is really kind of a challenging thing. It really is for, uh, for a lot of us. So I'm one who, uh, you know, likes to think, anyway, and I've said to some people that I'm a weirdo because I kind of like change. Okay? Until I have things that I really didn't like. <laughs> Uh, like, for example, um, if you were here last week, you saw that these strings weren't working, okay? And, uh, of course, that was a change that wasn't good, but, but uh, this week we had a couple of guys who really stepped up to the plate and, and really worked hard to try to give you the strings that you see today. And Jerry Paul, uh, up in the booth, he uh, installed a new hard drive for us on the computer, a new solid state drive, so it should be good for a while. Uh, one problem was the old drive was completely wiped out, could not uh, extract anything from it. Everything was gone, okay, which means that Caleb, whose job includes uh, preparing the slides that you see here, had to install a brand new program, brand new, never used it before, okay, and uh, reconstruct all of the service slides from scratch within a span of two days. Which means that what we have today, you know, may need to be tweaked and things like that, yet, but just a kind of a super human effort in putting this together. Really great. Uh, but in the course of that, Caleb came in and, and asked me this one question. Uh, he said, Hey, you know, we've got this new, new uh, worship software, and I'll be loading it on there, uh, and it's great, you know, we're going to be great to use this stuff, but there's one problem, and that is that uh, it doesn't come with the Bible's uh, version that you like to use. You see, when it's preached, what I like to use most of the time, I don't use it all the time, but most of the time, I like to use the NRV, the New International Version, 1984. And the NRV came out with a new version, um, you know, not too many years ago. But I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I, I would use the 1984. So he said, oh, is it okay if you use the new version, the NRV, instead of the 1984? And I said,
Today's Health News Choices really involves two things. First of all, it involves pulling back the curtain to reveal reality. You can see what is really there. Okay. Secondly, along with that, is to do what is necessary to get rid of those old ideas that have been revealed by pulling back the curtain and replace them with new ideas that guide your decision making. Now, when you do that, you will be uncovering our three myths about decision making. Myth number one is this. Experience makes you wiser. Experience makes you wiser. Experience does not make you wiser. It might make you madder. It might make you lonelier. But in and of itself, experience does not make you wiser because you can keep repeating what you have should have learned in that experience over and over again. Evaluated experience is what makes you wise. In the coming weeks, what we're going to be doing is uh, taking a look at experience and evaluating it. You know, we, we all know people who have had experiences in life and didn't learn anything from it. They just continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. And if we pull back the curtain and really take a look at reality, what we can see is that a lot of us are really that person who's had experiences that we haven't learned from because we haven't evaluated. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be getting the feeling to be wiser than dealing with experience. Second myth is this. Since I know better, I'll do better. There's an assumption out there that there is a knowledge problem, that the reason why people choose the wrong course in the road is because they don't know any better. If they know better, then they're going to choose the right one and they're going to go down the right road wrong. Because you still need the self-discipline to be able to put that knowledge into action to choose the right thing. No better doesn't equal to do better. There's still wisdom to be applied and a choice to be made. The question is, now that I know better, how do you answer that into action? How do you do it right now in the right action? The third myth is this. Time is against me. Time is against me. You might recognize some of these kind of phrases. I'm not getting any younger. Or time's a wasting. So I guess into a choice that hasn't given it more time, I never would have chosen it. When you look back at some of the bone-headed needs, some bone-headed choices, and say, why in the world did I choose that? I didn't realize this much. Time is not the only when you have certain experiences and you're in the process of evaluating those experiences, sometimes you need to switch time because right at that moment you are not ready to hear what you need to hear. You're not ready to process the information that is readily available so that you can use it and apply it. So instead you need to heal up. And then you can choose the right choice in your life. Pull back the curtain and you can see these three myths about decision making. Recognize them. Like God show you in the future. Well, if you look at Scripture, what we can see is we can see all kinds of characters in the Bible, all kinds of people in the Bible who had a particular experience that they needed to learn from and go in another direction. Moses was one of those people. That first avenue that they went down, that the first road that they went down, that first course that they had chosen, involved a whole lot of things. 
And now comes this opportunity to choose a different way. So if you take Moses, you can see a guy who uh, began with a whole lot, really. He was a prince of Egypt. He lived in a royal house that ruled the greatest superpower of his day. He had everything. But he also had a temple. And one day, with that temple, with that angry dragon, he killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And he was found out. So he was expelled. He was expelled from the kingdom. He was kicked out of the family. And he went into the desert. He fled into the desert. And now he had nothing. Now imagine being in his situation. Imagine the law. He was used to serving some privilege. He was used to the power and, and the money and the resources. Now he had nothing. He was wandering in the desert. Now he even had to ask for a bunch of water. He had nothing. Imagine the devastation. Abandoned by family, abandoned by his wife. The pain would have been too great for many of us to bear. And he had to wonder, what's next? What's now? How could any good possibly come out of this situation? And yet, good came out of that situation. Moses had a chapter one to his life, and he had a chapter two to his life. But he didn't just go straight from chapter one to chapter two. It wasn't a simple matter of turning the page. Moses had 40 years between chapter one and chapter two. He needed 40 years for the people back in Egypt to forget about him. He also, and I think more importantly, needed 40 years to change himself, to prepare himself for chapter two. Moses ran into the wilderness to run away from the people back in Egypt, but he also ran into the wilderness to try to outrun himself. It wasn't until Moses reached the end of himself, which took 40 years to do, before he was ready to feel, finally able to feel what it was that God had in store for him. And when Moses finally heard God's voice, he sounded as well, maybe he could have used a few more. He could have used a few more years of preparation because he came up with every excuse in the book not to do what it was that God wanted him to do. He didn't want to follow the direction. And finally he said this. He came to the end of his excuses after the 4 verse 13 and said, Oh Lord, please send somebody else to do it. He didn't want to take that trip. He didn't want to get on that road. He was afraid, but he stepped out in faith and followed the instructions anyway. Moses, this is people. Moses couldn't do anything about his past. He couldn't rewrite it. He couldn't undo it. He couldn't change it in any way. It was what it was. But he could do something about his future. But Moses models at this crucial point, this crucial fork in the road, is something that I think we really need to learn from if we want to make those life choices. Moses saw that God was up to something good in his life. And, you know, for all of his reluctance to move forward, all of his hesitation to do what it was that God said to do, Moses had these two things that are crucial for us to have in life. He had these two things. He had divine destiny, and he had an abiding humility. He understood that God had a that God was up to something in his life, that God wanted to do something special there, that God wanted him to head down a certain path that's divine destiny. And he also, in order to receive that, he had to have 
abiding humility in order to hear it. Now, we don't normally use that word abiding, so let me explain this. Abiding is really living. It is, it's not this once and done kind of humility, but this kind of humility that infects all of life and shapes all of life. And humility isn't uh, this idea that sometimes we think of as, as, as you know, degrading yourself and putting yourself down and things like that. But humility is seeing things as they really are. And not having to play games anymore. To be real. Moses, over the 40 years in the wilderness, developed humility in order to be able to hear God's instructions. It brings us to a verse that I think a lot of us probably know pretty well. We've heard it. We've maybe used it. We've maybe referred to it. And a lot of times, this verse that is very popular is misunderstood and misapplied. It's from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where Paul writes and says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And we unpack that. And we know that thing. Do you know? Do you know? Do you need today to write this to, to exit into your heart and into your mind so that you know this? And we know that in all things, not in some things, not maybe if I'm good enough, not God owes me this, but in all things, and recognize, recognize that He is there in all things, that God's grace is big enough to take in everything, to take in your past, to take in your present, to take in your future. That God's grace is there that's big enough to do that. That God works for the good. His grace is what can redeem your past. But Satan meant for evil, God uses for good. That good is the new beginning of Him leading to a better tomorrow than we have yet to know. In all things, God works for the good, and this is true. This is where a lot of people get off track, okay? Because in, in, in all things, God works for the good, not of all people, okay? It's not what it says. It says, of those who love Him. Of those who love Him. Most people do not have the abiding humility that we see in Moses. They don't have that. They think that, that if God's going to work for good, it's going to have to be the good that I define as being good for me. That I know better than God. That my plan is bigger than God's plan. That my idea of wisdom or my wisdom is better than God's wisdom. And that's not humility. That's not humility to think that I know more than God. That's not humility. They don't love God. But they believe God's job is to fool them. Their plan. Their wisdom. Like uh, working for you know, some kind of good list that you give to Santa Claus at Christmas time or something like that. It means it's humility and thinking that you know better than God. But after 40 years, Moses learned this humility. He learned it in the wilderness. And now he was called to do something that he didn't want to do. Something that would change his destiny. Something that is true, chapter 2. He was to be God's spokesman to form to say to him, Let my people go. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to go there. But the Lord worked for his good in spite of him. And Moses, with his abiding humility, was able to accept 
and follow the actions that God gave to him to do even what he could be seen as the right way to go. So, in humility, in humility, understanding that God knows more than I know that God's plans are bigger than my plans, the person who wants to know a tomorrow that is better than the yesterday will follow God's plans today. So, yesterday is good news. The next time can be better than the last time. Your tomorrow can be better than your yesterday. When what you do is you experience that future of following the blessings that God has given to you in humility, and letting God put the pieces of your life together according to His plan. Let's pray about that two things.